never seen this room anywhere else. It's on your radio right now. Do you know how to pop that coochie for a good one? There you go. It's the world's most dangerous one to show. Got the cameras on my the. Good morning, Angela Yee. Good morning, DJ Amby. Charlemagne the God. Peace to the planet. It's Thursday. Yes, it's Thursday. All right, let's hurry up and get this thing over with, man. Tight. Was out all last night. I'm ready to go home already. Last happens when your ass goes out. Well, I didn't go out. I had I was in the emergency room all last night because my wife was having um. Really bad migraines. Mm. So she had them for a few days. So we decided she decided she wanted to go to the emergency room. So they gave her that nice uh, migraine cocktail. Okay. Yeah. Everything so I was right? in that she late because it's like a horrible hospital. So we was there for a long ass time. Really? Oh my god. Hospitals in America suck. Mm-hmm. But you know, I mean, plus it's different now because you know people still people still fighting COVID, bro. You know what I mean? So people mm-hmm. the hospitals are still like packed. So if you just pull up to the emergency room, you know, even if you know a few people, you know, you still got you still got to wait for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So I saw an old couple last night, a 90-year-old man and his 85-year-old wife. And this 90-year-old man was raising holy hell because they had his 85-year-old wife back there. And you can't go back there with your significant other because yeah. the hospital is so packed. And like, I guess she was texting him and calling him and saying, like, I'm just been sitting here for hours. I've just been in this waiting room for hours. You know, and then it was just for her. She was just getting some blood drawn or something like that. So they they raised hell, but, you know, it is what it is. I'll put you on to some of my hospitals where there is no wait time. But then you don't want to cut people. In the emergency room? That's what I'm yeah, saying. Some people you know have what I mean? If you, no, you have to wait. Exactly. It's like people. Rashawn didn't say anything about cutting people. I said, I'll tell you about the hospital where you go and there's no wait time. It's not too many people there. It's a small private hospital. You go to emergency room and it doesn't take much time. I went on Christmas and I was out of that hospital in 30 minutes. What is stitched it, up is it an ER or urgent care? ER. Oh, okay. Well, Real yeah. hospital. Pass yes. the plug. My daughter went there a couple of days ago. She had the same thing. She had cramps and a migraine. Mm-hmm. She was in and out. Remember that day when I couldn't come to work? I had to stay and watch the other babies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In and out. Well, pass the plug. I got you. Because yesterday, um, yesterday was nuts. But it is what it is. But to Angelique's point, yeah, you can't, you know, I, I don't I don't want to do that in the ER. As, That's what my wife said to me. My wife was like, listen, if people hit waste. Way yeah, sick of me. No, it has right nothing now. to do with cutting people. It's just, you know, certain hospitals are, are longer wait times than other hospitals. That's it just just life. Like when I was a kid, the wait time was an hour and a half, no matter what happened. I could be bleeding from my forehead. You had to wait because there was a lot of people there. But yeah, yeah, yeah. you go to different hospitals and the wait time is a lot different. I wonder if they if they uh does it dictate what what what's the ailment? Like you said bleeding from right. your head, they probably see that a lot. But if you was bleeding from your butt, would they does, rush you in faster? I'm sure. Okay. Does everybody have access to to be able to go to a hospital that doesn't have a you know? You can go to any hospital. You, about it? you can go to any ER you want. You can go to any hospital you want. It's not oh I live in Queens, I have to go to a Queens hospital. You can go to any ER you want. Well, I mean, and that's part of the problem. But if it's an emergency, you probably want to go to the closest one that's to yeah, well, it, it depends, you know, it depends uh, on uh, on how severe your, your problems are. But that's the, the, the first thing people think, I got to go to the hospital that's in my area. No, you can go to any ER you want as long as you can get to it. But yeah, it, you want to get there close, except if it's a veteran's hospital. 
True. It yeah. don't matter what your emergency is. That happened to one of my friends. We were out at an event and she had an allergic reaction. I guess it must have been nuts on some of the food. You know, she's allergic to nuts and that can kill you. And so we tried to go to the closest hospital, but we didn't know it was a veterans hospital and they do not care what your problem is. That is strictly only for veterans. You could be laying on the mm-hmm. floor, dying, and they like, now you got to go to a different hospital. That's crazy how nuts, uh, nuts affect people differently. Thank God. They give some people, you know, they're allergic to it. Some people get scrimped from it. Yeah, thank God. Like you're envy. Not, you're not allergic to nuts, and I'm so appreciative for that. But anyway, let's get the show cracking. Bishop T.D. Jakes will be joining That's us this right. morning. That's right. Bishop the Drip Jakes. Are y'all ready to get full this morning? Don't drop the mic. Are y'all ready to get some of that good word? The Bishop has a new book out called Don't Drop the Mic. The power of words can change your world. And we will talk to the Bishop this morning. Now, listen, I know we disappointed y'all yesterday because we were supposed to have Sarah Jake Roberts on. Correct. And we promoted it, but the audio was so bad that Trash. we didn't play it. But the Bishop's audio was great. Yep. And we'll be playing him this morning. And um, we actually going to talk to Sarah next week. Now, I just want to tell y'all that during the interview with Sarah, I sent out a text. I said, this audio is horrible. We should fix this audio if y'all want to continue on. They were like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Now. Who is they? Well, Nick, I didn't see your text when I'm doing an interview. Nick, How am I going to see that? Nick, Nick, the camera guy said that. He said, little babies. Wait, just say Nick. Little babies audio was way worse. Speaking of. It was, it was, though. <laughs> it was, though. But we, Bishop T.D. Jakes will be joining us this morning. All right, let's get the show cracker. Front page news, what are we talking about? Well, let's talk about a third of COVID-19 survivors. They suffer from brain disease, according to a study. All right, we'll get to that next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Where are we starting, Yee? Well, let's start with Dr. Fauci. He says the new COVID-19 cases are at a disturbing level and the U.S. is primed for a surge. He said it's almost a race between getting people vaccinated and this surge that seems to want to increase. He also noted that Europe is experiencing a spike, much like the one that experts are worried about for the United States. Even though we're vaccinating people quickly, just over 33 percent of the population, they said that more than 109 million people have gotten at least one dose of the vaccine. And all 50 states have now committed to opening vaccinations to all adults by April 19th. But again, as he's been doing, he's urging people to just hang in there a little bit longer. Right now, five states account for 43% of the country's new COVID-19 cases in the past week. That's New York, Michigan, Florida, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey. Yeah, I'm telling you, when I was at the ER last night, the, the, the valet was telling me, he was like, man, this place has been so packed, man. He said so many people have COVID because they got a special wing for people with COVID, with COVID to come yeah. through. He was like, man, so many people have been coming through here with COVID. He was like, I don't know what they're telling us, but we we still in, in knee deep in this thing. Mm-hmm. And they said a third of COVID-19 survivors suffer brain disease. According to a study, they will have long ter- longer term mental health or neurological symptoms. They found that 34 percent of COVID-19 survivors got a diagnosis for those conditions within six months of their infection. The most common diagnosis was anxiety found in 17 percent of those tre- treated for COVID-19, followed by mood disorders found in 14 percent. And they said the neuro- neurological effects are more severe in hospitalized patients, but they are still common in people who were only treated in an outpatient setting. I wonder how that affects people that are, are like heavily in shape, like athletes that get COVID. They never know. There's no symptoms. There's no problems. There's, you know what I mean? So I wonder how that affects different people depending on how you take care of your body. I think that's a very misleading stat. Now, I'm not a doctor. You know, I'm a brilliant idiot. Uh, Charlamagne the God, Lenard McKelvey. I am not an expert at anything. Mm-hmm. But how many of those people got, uh, you know, 
tested for neurological impairments Before prior that. to COVID. Mm-hmm. Like, because if you, I think the statistic is like one in five adults have experienced serious mental illness at some point mm-hmm. in life. And like up to one billion people across the world, I think that's one in six of the world's population suffer from neurological disorders. So it's like, huh? Maybe they already had these things prior to COVID. How did they know it's because know- of COVID? A reporter called me the other day, asked me if I knew anybody that was suffering from long-term health effects after having coronavirus in New York City. They were trying to interview people because they said a lot of people have been having these issues. And among those issues, they talk about still having issues breathing, still having uh, these what they call COVID headaches all the time. And so a lot of people are saying that they have these problems even after COVID and they came when they got COVID. I understand the physical issues, but I'm talking Mm -hmm. about as far as the mental health aspect of it is concerned the neurological Mm -hmm. issues where these people tested before because these numbers have been staggering for people with mental health illnesses like literally one in five adults have experienced some form of mental illness in in america and you just just don't know how it affects the body like i have uh my mother's one of my mother's closest friends she got it and the doctor gave her three years to live you know what i mean but Mm -hmm. then i know a bunch of people that didn't even know they have symptoms didn't even know they had it they just was checking because they have to do it for work and they had it and not a problem not a symptom no side effects nothing so you just don't know how it affects your body mm-hmm. yeah and just imagine the stress that you have psychologically when you know you have it and if you have to go to the hospital or if you have other family members that got it i'm sure that all plays a part too psychologically and mm-hmm. i wonder how many people got anxiety and don't know they have anxiety i didn't get diagnosed with anxiety until 2010 but i've been having panic attacks my whole life but it wasn't until the doctor actually said to me after, you know, going to the emergency room a few times thinking I'm having a heart attack. It wasn't until the doctor said to me, like, do you have anxiety? You suffer from panic attacks? Like, that's what it sounds like you're having. That I realized, like, oh, yeah. that's what I'm experiencing. And so, mm-hmm. they said some people have PTSD after having COVID, too. Mm. As right. well. So, all those things. But, yeah, you, I mean, I don't think there's any way to tell. They're still doing studies based on that. All right. Well, that is your front page news. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up right now. Phone lines are wide open. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. I'm This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're mad or blessed. 800-585-1051. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. <laughs> Hello, who's this? Hey, this is um, Jay. Hey, Jay. Hey, Jenny, get it off your chest. Oh, Jenny? Oh, they said Jenny. No, the letter J, just J. Oh, oh Jay, what's up, Jay? Good morning, Angela. Good morning, Charlamagne. And good, good morning, morning Jay. Good morning, man. Peace. I wanted to get off my chest. Don't get me wrong. I love, love, love Kelly Price. Like, her voice is banging and all of that. And she did deserve a little more accolades than what she's gotten. But... I've been trying to call y'all since that day because I wanted to see if I could get her to say something. But ever since she was on that R&B diva show, I don't believe none of that. Why? I, I had a lot of people saying that. A lot of people were saying that in the comments. She said, was nasty. Yeah, I heard. I didn't, I didn't ever watch nasty. it. I heard that. Really? And ever since I saw her on that show, I still love the voice. But I don't... Because I don't, how you can get all of us as women... All of that attitude and all of that this, that, and the third, but you were timid as a mouse and you were feeling awkward. No, you should have gave them that same business. Well, give me an example. Give me an example of what, why, because I saw a lot of people saying they didn't like her on R&B Divas. Give me an example. I didn't watch the show. She was, she, um, she tried to instigate a lot of that stuff that was going on. Um, there was a lot of drama, of, of course, because it's reality TV or whatever, but she was just disgusting. 
I think on one episode she showed up to the episode with Vaseline ready to fight somebody. I put the put the little ponytail up and all that foolishness. She was disgusting. So you mad at her for being prepared? It's TV though, but that that's still no, doesn't... no, 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 no. It's not even don't be prepared. Yes, be prepared because you don't want nobody to. You know what I'm saying? I'm from New York. I know what that's like. I know that whole lifestyle. But at the same time, you on TV now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you're doing exactly what they're expecting you to do. And you and and you can see because you can see somebody's real intention. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can see it. Right. So regardless of all the editing and this, that, and the third, and whoopie woo woo woo, in the end, your nastiness still shows. True. So when she gets so when I hear her on the you know on these interviews and so on and so forth, oh you know when I just felt so this and 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 I couldn't understand you wasn't doing none of that in the show. What well, was well, that energy well, to these people? Well, give her some grace. That's the name of her new EP. Give her some grace. Give her some grace. You right. I just want her to, you know, be be for real. True. Be the same real person right. who was on that. And show. I remember Thank you. I remember afterward people really didn't like her and she did some interviews talking about it and saying that it was like for T V and stuff like that. I don't know. So. Yeah, that still doesn't stop the fact that, you know, I feel like the industry damn near blackballed her. Or didn't really f with her because of her size and weight. You know what I mean? That, that's, she had that's two platinum really albums. Like she she didn't lie about that. That really happened. She had two platinum albums. Though. Her first album was platinum. Second album was platinum. Mm-hmm. Hello, who's this? Hey, it's Beezy. Beezy, what up? Get it off your chest. Hey, what's going on? I'm from uh, I'm calling from the Met too, but I'm from Alvin, Charlotte. You, you say you calling from Alvin, South Carolina? I'm from Alvin. I'm calling from the Met though. Oh, 803, what's happening? What's good, bro? You know, bless Black and Holly favorite. What's happening? Ain't nothing new, man. Hey, I want to get off my chest, man. It's been a long time. I ain't been curved in a long time, so I feel like I don't remember how it felt. But I shot you a DM back in February, and you curved that so good. Who, me? Yeah, man. I ain't seen no response or nothing yet. I don't check my DMs. I think people think I be lying. I don't be in my, especially on Instagram. And and every now and then on Twitter, when I'm on Twitter, I don't ever check my DMs on Instagram. I don't even think you really got a uh, DM on Twitter. I, I looked at Twitter first. I shot you one on Instagram. Yeah, the problem is, is, is we get a lot of DMs, and like my, my assistant goes through them because a lot of them is business, especially because I'm doing the car show, but I don't check mine either, and, and it'd be a lot of them. You know what I mean? You just don't have time. It would be absolutely no reason for somebody to send me business through a DM because the business email is on my in my bio. <laughs> like just, just shoot yeah. an email, King. I'm going to do it. But, yo, I, I respect what you're doing, man. Like, I love the fact that you got your own podcast and uh, we started podcasting a few, uh, a few years ago, and I just wanted to give you a check it out, man. Let's do it if you got time. I definitely um, will. I'm always looking for podcasts, especially from South Carolina. You know what I mean? We got uh, we got the We Talk Back podcast with, with, with uh, AJ and Tan Bam. You know, both of them from South Carolina. But I'm always looking for my Carolina folks. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're man or black. Say it with your chest. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. So if you got something on your mind, let it out. Hello, who's this? Yo, the man is deep Floyd. What's up, bro? Get it off your chest. Man, I enjoy y'all's show. And uh, Charlamagne, why you hating on Envy Beard? <laughs> First of all, I don't hate on Envy's beard. I hate on the fake color of Envy's beard. Yeah, he hates on my beard. You see how the, the narrative changes? At first it was a fake beard, now it's a fake color. Boy, no, no. I'm, the, the, the reason I changed it is because he's right, though. Because he's a hater. His beard is real, but the color is not. Thank you, Uncle Charlotte, man. Uh, I read the book, man, and all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, man, it, it, uh, it helped me focus on my purpose, so... 
Thank I'm you, brother. I'm ready to buy a condo in Columbia, and I'm just like loving life right now, man. In the 803? Columbia, not, not South Carolina. The oh. Columbia. <laughs> oh. Oh, okay. All right, bro. I was like, okay. Keep pushing. Hello, who's this? This is Keith from Minnesota. What's I up? called a long time ago about the people that were in uh, Texas falling asleep in the car and stuff like that. You but, sound like you're falling asleep you know, right now. <laughs> about to make me fall asleep. Yeah, I'm calling this morning. It's real early over here in Minnesota. It's like it's 5 o'clock in the morning. Five and o'clock having, in the morning, where you going to be outside of Minnesota? Yeah, I'm having relationship issues. I don't, I need to know if I'm tripping or, or not. What, ha- what happened? I couldn't argue with you. Words about him. Just how you talk to him. I can totally understand why <laughs> yeah, y'all have an issue. I couldn't argue issues. with you. It's so a lack of communication. She's she, she going through it. Yeah, I'm going through it. It's like, you know, with this coronavirus and stuff, I didn't gain a little bit of weight and stuff. And not too long ago, about three months ago, he told me when I tried to go home, I'm like, I what? don't satisfy him anymore, especially anymore. What's a little bit of weight? I need to know. What What is a little bit? She, she doesn't satisfy A little bit. Social. I was like maybe like 110 and now I'm 185. But I still love you. How tall are you? I'm 5'2". Whoa. <laughs> don't say whoa like that. <laughs> no, I don't mean it like that. I'm sorry. I did not mean it like that. 5'2", 185? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I still look good. I'm not saying you don't. I believe you. I'm not saying you don't. UConn's look good too. So do the Escalades. Oh, my goodness. Well, clearly you went through some things, though, that... that... He was going to say something like that, too. (laughs) What? I was going to say what? Well, I mean, clearly you've had some issues. Like you said, it's been COVID. You gained a lot of weight, and you're not happy with that, right? Yeah, what can we do better to get back to how we used to be in the bedroom? Cardio. (laughs) Okay, and I'm just... Yeah, you're you're there you go. You See, know. and that's that's dope because y'all can go do that together because I'm sure he's gained some weight too. So y'all can better. go as a couple to Planet Fitness. That gives y'all something to do every now and then. And then y'all can have great conversation while y'all working out and the drive there and the drive leaving. Oh, and then last night, oh boy. you know, last mm-hmm. night we were sleeping and all of a sudden I hear, uh, 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 this having a wet dream. Yeah, <laughs> Coming all out of his stuff, and I'm like, Dude, okay, wow, that could have been me. I was so mad. I woke up this morning so mad, like that could have been me. What you was dreaming about? What if he so said I you? No, let me talk right, to him. Well, you got, let me talk to him. Let me talk to him. I hear him. Let me talk right. to him. Here you go. Oh my gosh. Yeah, what's up, my boy Shalom and Lily What's up? Young King, tell us the problem, man. Be honest with me. Tell me the problem, bro. I know you ain't mad because your girl gained a few pounds, bro. Yeah, I think a few pounds is okay. You know, I dealt with bigger women back in my day, my heyday. I'm only 30, so like back in my teens, you know, I had a few few heavy set ones, you know. So what's the problem? (laughs) What's the the problem is is her attitude. Her, Her attitude doesn't match my attitude. You know, I'm, I would like to be, you know, happy and I like to uplift people and I like to live, uplift my girl every day. And, you know, sometimes she just catches attitudes out of nowhere and that shit just, oh, excuse my language, but they just catch me out of nowhere. Like the attitudes and this nagging about this and nagging about that. Maybe y'all need couples therapy, bro. 
I thought about that too. Definitely. Go to couples therapy, man. Cause I, you love her, right? Yeah, I love. I've been with her for almost six years. Come on, you love her. You want to be with her. Y'all gonna have ups and downs with weight. Just go to couples therapy and figure it out. I like the fact that y'all know what bothers y'all though, and y'all telling each other. That's that's dope. I don't think it's a weight per se. I mean, people gain weight. It's COVID. Everybody gain weight. See, so so see, right. See. You have now. You have to have some grace. But what about this wet dream? What were you dreaming about? I have no idea. <laughs> and if I did have have any idea, I probably wouldn't say. Well, I'm not dreaming about because you know. All right. I mean, y'all, yeah, the way y'all both talk, I think y'all deserve each other, man. But, but we appreciate you for calling. Yeah, and y'all know what y'all need to do. Y'all know what the problems are, so go figure out some solutions. You know what I'm saying? Both hey, of y'all need to go lose. One thing, Shabba, man. Uh huh. One thing, Shabba, man. I need some books, man. I, I got you. Books. If if you promise to go to couples therapy, I will make sure I get you black privilege and a copy of my book, Shook Ones. I promise you. All right, hold on. Hold on. All right, hold on one second. Let's get the information. Ooh, that took a lot of energy out of us. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. We got rumors on the way? Yes, Steve Harvey was on Comedy Gold Mines with Kevin Hart's podcast, and he talked about revisiting that Miss Universe mix-up and how painful that was for him. All right, we'll get into that next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. It's about time. What's going on? This is the Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. Well, the 2021 iHeartRadio Music Awards will be May 27th from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern live. And that event will also be aired on iHeart uh, Media Radio stations nationwide and, of course, on the app. Now, we're going to be there this year is the question. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that one. Uh, social voting kick already has kicked off. It closes on May 19th for all categories. Fans can vote on Twitter using the appropriate category and nominee hashtags, or you can go to iHeartRadio.com slash awards. Because so it's live, some of the- right? Mm-hmm. And it's not virtual this year, and it's going to be in Vegas in September, late in September. Mm-hmm. I would assume well, that's the iHeart Festival. Oh, I'm bugging. Lord, talking, this is the iHeartRadio Music Never Awards, mind. May 27th, don't live listen, don't even listen in to L.A. Me. <laughs> don't even listen to me. I'm tired. Don't even listen to me. Yeah, yeah but go. I'm sure. I was like, what is he talking they about? Still, mm-hmm. They still have a small capacity, I'm sure, maybe 20% of the people in there. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. Huh. All right. Well, this, you know, in particular is going to be live. Now, I'm not sure what's going on with seating and who's going to be there, but this also is going to be from the Dolby Theater in L.A. And just some of the nominees. Song of the Year. Blinding Lights by The Weeknd, Circles by Post Malone, Don't Start Now, Dua Lipa, Rockstar, The Baby featuring Roddy Rich, and Watermelon Sugar by Harry Styles. Just to give you some examples. Mm. Uh, female Artist of the Year, Ariana Grande, Billie Eilish, Dua Lipa, Meg Thee Stallion, Taylor Swift. Male Artist of the Year, Harry Styles, Justin Bieber, Post Malone, Roddy Rich, The Weeknd. All right. Megan Thee Stallion's not in Female Artist of the Year? She just said that. Are you listening? She did. Where yes. are you today? Oh, I didn't hear it. I'm You're sorry. at the iHeartRadio Festival in September. I didn't hear it. I'm sorry. She said Megan Thee Stallion. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, let's move on. Megan should win. Goodness gracious. I don't know what's going on over here. Steve Harvey was on Kevin Hart's podcast, Comedy Gold Mines with Kevin Hart. And one of the things that he talked about was that big Miss Universe mistake that happened back in 2015 on live television. Y'all remember when he said mm-hmm. the wrong name of who actually won. Here he is just reflecting on that. 
and, and really it wasn't my fault. Well, I, I wish I hadn't took the bullet like I did. The teleprompter said, and the new 2015 Miss Universe is, the mm. dude in my ear said, read the next name on the card, Steve. Hold, hold, hold. <laughs> I look at the next card. I said, Miss, Miss Columbia. Oh, that white no. boy said, good job, Steve, go in the back. I go all the way in the back. <laughs> I'm sitting there, and the black dude that I have doing all my shows came to me and said, Big dog, you said the wrong name. I said, man, the f you talking about? Yeah, I wouldn't took wow. that bullet. I don't know why he took that bullet. I'd be like, no, it said in the teleprompter. I didn't do it wrong. This is what I. This is what he I did, did say that. Didn't he show the car? And you know, and and they did tell him. They were like, look, <laughs> we'll fix this in the newspaper tomorrow. You don't have no, to to go back out there. And he still wanted to go back out there and correct his mistake instead mm -hmm. of waiting for it to be in the paper the next day. Here's what he said about that. I went to the press conference and the Colombian reporter was there. It got real hood after a while because, you know, I, I said, I'm sorry three times. How could you make such a mistake? This is the stupidest thing that's ever happened. I said, hey, man, you know, one more time call me stupid. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to tear this tux off and I'm going to show you some Cleveland because I still got hands, dog. And I don't really think you can whoop me with your little fat, fluffy ass. <laughs> I stand with Steve. I love Steve. Okay, man. drop one of clues bombs for Steve Harvey. Live TV Steve, is man. no joke. Mistakes happen. But here's the thing, and Steve knows this. Some people just don't like him. And when people don't like you, they will ride with anything or anybody that's against you. So when it's an opportunity to pile on, people are going to pile on. That's all that was. I well, he said this was that. the worst week of his professional career. Listen. Man, when I woke up the next morning, it was everywhere. And it was the worst week of my life, man, in the show business. I mean, man, them boys was driving by my house. I lived in Atlanta, had a little gate in front of my house. They was throwing rocks over the gate with notes on it. You know, they was calling me names. You know, I can't, I don't know Spanish, but I, I know punta something. Yeah, I got, I know, I know that ain't good because it was punta in all the notes and <laughs> all the texts and... <laughs> That's funny, man. I, you know, that's interesting, though, because I feel like I've seen Steve get it worse. Like, I would have liked to know how did that compare to the backlash he received when he uh, went to Trump Towers. You know what I mean? Because to me, it seemed like that backlash was worse than the whatever. What pageant was that? Miss Universe? Yeah. But I think the problem with this was, you know, this was like something that was memed everywhere. People made fun of it. But then it also affected one person in particular. That was Miss Columbia. Imagine she thought she won. So she came out there so and, and she has spoken on it mistake. since then. It wasn't no, it was fault. a mistake. It was a mistake. But imagine you think you won and the, then your whole, the whole country's mad. That wasn't my I mean, fault. I, I think you I think you would still feel bad for her. Right. Yes. Yeah. But you shouldn't be attacking. Steve. I mean, that that's something that she's been trying to. She did. She's never attacked him. No, she actually she said did, that but people did. Yeah, of course. And that's why it was really tough for him. Listen, y'all know somebody makes a mistake like that. Nobody's paying attention to whose fault it was. They looked at that like Steve messed up. How did you make a mistake like that? That's just how people looked at it. Amen. And if they didn't hear this interview, they'll still think that same thing. You know how it is. I just watched Miss Sri Lanka uh, or Miss World snatch Miss Sri Lanka's crown off because they announced her they want to put the crown on her head. And then she said something about some technicality about not being married and literally took it off her head. The, head, the headline on Hollywood Unlocked was Mystery Locker sustains injuries after Miss World snatches winning crowd, crowd, crown off her head. That was way worse than just mistaking the name. You know, that actually happened on The Bachelor. You know, one oh. of the girls oh, God. was wearing a crown and then the princess, she took the crown off the other girls. Okay. No, I don't watch The Bachelor. I heard that, the, that your guy is back with the, the girl. I forgot her, both their names. Matt? I don't know. I, He's I don't, back together with. I don't, I don't with follow the, them after they leave the show. They move You're on. a liar. Okay, my they bad. Move, they move on. You're a liar. You being all ADNs. So you, 
No, I do not. <laughs> yeah, they said Matt James and Rachel are back together. Mm. I don't even know who these people are. Are they going to be at the iHeart Festival right. in September? I'm sure they will. Okay. I, I heard you probably, actually. Yeah. yeah. Probably so. <laughs> they probably will be. I'd rather get those And that is your rumor report. Absolutely. All right. Now, when we come back from Page News, what are we doing? Yes, let's give you a recap of what's happening as we've been doing with the Derek Shelvin trial. All right. We'll get to that next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. When a train hits a vehicle at a railway crossing, the results are often deadly. Be cautious at crossings, and if the signals are going, don't be tempted to try and sneak across the tracks, even if you don't see a train. Stop. Trains can't. Brought to you by NHTSA. Hey, everybody. It's DJ MV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the God. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Where are we starting, Yee? Well, let's start with the special agent who led the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension Investigation into George Floyd's death, James Ryerson. He was shown a clip from Minneapolis police body camera footage of George Floyd saying something while handcuffed and on the ground. And at first, he was saying that he thought Mr. Floyd said, I ate too many drugs. But then when Mm -hmm. the prosecution provided more context, he actually changed his mind on what he heard. Listen to this. Did it appear that Mr. Floyd said... I ate too many drugs. Yes, it did. Having heard it in context, you're able to tell uh, what Mr. Floyd is saying there. Yes, I believe Mr. Floyd was saying, I ain't do no drugs. I swear, nobody can gaslight you like a covert white supremacist. It's like, it's like who is on trial here? Is it George Floyd or Derek Chauvin? And I understand what they're trying to prove. They're trying to prove that George Floyd had drugs in the system and mm-hmm. drugs killed him. But no, that's not what happened, guys No, and gals. No. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, Target says they will spend more than $2 billion with black-owned businesses by 2025. They're going to be adding new brands to their shelves, hiring black-owned construction and advertising firms, and launching a new program for startups. As you know, a lot of major companies like Nike, Walmart, Ulta Beauty have done their own racial equity pledges, like featuring more black people in ads, reducing the number of police or security in stores. But now that's what Target plans to do, hiring more black owned companies and putting more black owned companies on the shelves. I mean, I appreciate the effort, but that is nowhere near enough. Two billion dollars from now until what, 2026. Do you know how much Target makes in a year? Their annual revenue like is like 78 plus billion billion dollars a year what is two billion dollars over the next what is it five years what is it what you said five years four years four years like come on man i mean it's it's, it it sounds good in Mm -hmm. theory but when you actually see how much these companies are making no no Right. Well, you know, they've also committed to increasing black representation in their workforce by 20 percent over the next three years i'm with that and and all yeah so listen i just uh, i can say that a lot of these companies need to in- implement diversity initiatives and make sure that they're spending money with us because we spend so much money with them. Absolutely. You know, the crazy thing and is- And I a, think that's the minimum that they should do. A lot of them have diversity programs, but a lot of times we don't know how to get that those funds or get that from the diversity programs. And the only reason I'm, I'm saying this is now that I'm doing my car show in Atlanta, a lot of them are telling me that they have this money to give to black businesses and black entrepreneurs, but they don't know the, the necessary steps to give it to them. So the money just sits there for a lot of these businesses, you know, which is crazy. I'm like, you don't have any but, black people in the business that can help and guide to where, where people are doing it and where the money can go. A lot of them just don't know. 
Yeah. Yeah, and they said they're actually going to seek out advertising firms, mm-hmm. suppliers, construction companies, but they also have a program called Fo- Forward Founders, and that's for early stage startups led by black entrepreneurs to help them develop, test, and scale products, and it'll be modeled off of their Target Accelerators program for startups that the retail uses to foster up and coming brands. Trust me, I'm on it because you know I got some brands that should be in Target. So yeah, and I, lo- I love the uh, what was it twenty percent? What you say twenty percent of the workforce is going to be black? Mm-hmm. Additional twenty percent. They're gonna increase their workforce by twenty percent. Yeah, I love that because I think every corporation, you know, in America, the workforce and you know leadership positions should re- reflect the population of Black people in America, which is at least thirteen, fourteen percent. So a twenty percent increase is great, but two billion dollars over the next six years for a company that makes seventy plus billion dollars a year? No, that's 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 cute, but no. Right. And we can all be intentional about doing our part. You know, I have the coffee company, Coffee Uplifts People. We're opening a coffee shop and we hired a black design firm to make sure that they hold down the whole space and design everything with us. So we actually just started with that um, yesterday, which I'm excited about. All right. Well, that is your front page news. Now, are you ready to get your spirit full? Are you ready to get this blessing this morning? Because we have... One of the greatest wordsmiths ever, Mr. Bishop T.D. Jakes, joining us again this morning on The Breakfast Club. He has a new book out called Don't Drop the Mic. The power of your words can change the world. That's right. And when we come back, we're going to be kicking it with Bishop T.D. Jakes. So don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Bishop T.D. Jakes, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. How's everybody doing? Bless black and highly favored. Good morning to you, Bishop. Doing pretty good. <laughs> hey, B- Bishop, you I'm know right. I love you, man. You help, you help me get through all the time. And you got a new book out, Don't Drop the Mic. The power of your words can change the world. What, what is this book about, my brother? Well, you know, it started out to be reflections on preaching, speaking, public speaking, interacting. But then we went through all of the racial tensions and we went through all of the pandemic and then i i kind of broadened the subject to just we have to keep talking we have to keep reaching out we have to communicate with each other and as we pass the torch from one generation to the other don't drop the mic it's your turn up to bat and communication is the only way we're going to get through the crisis that we're dealing with how you been holding up during the pandemic? How's everything been with you? Because you're somebody that's usually out and about. You're in the community. You're moving around. You're, you're giving meals away. You're doing so many different things. But now they're telling us to sit down. So how has it been for you? Well, we, we served the community and we gave out food. We gave out water. We gave out clothes until uh, we started getting so many people infected that we had to back off a little bit. We're not able to have service yet open the doors fully so we were working with the doors closed for over a year uh and still serving first responders and doing what we could to make a difference and we still do to a degree uh but for me personally it's been nerve-wracking i'm not a house person Mm -hmm. my wife is so she's in heaven (laughs) (laughs) she's in heaven uh she doesn't even know there's a pandemic (laughs) <laughs> uh, but me, me, I'm absolutely like climbing the walls uh, sometimes. But I've been busy. Uh, you know, I, I adjusted, I adapted, and I I have new levels of Zoom, Zoomitis. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So Bishop T.D. Jakes, initially, this was not the book that you intended to write, and you were convinced to do it. So talk about why you feel like this is important, especially now. Because I think the torch is passing. Leadership torches uh vision torches business torches 
uh, in the arts, in ministry, in, in every area the torch is passing, as it always does. Life recycles itself. But what doesn't always happen is the preceding generation doesn't always tell the next generation what they learned. Mm-hmm. So you have to go for yourself and nobody gives you any information at all. And so in the, in the transition of power and influence and social justice and churches and businesses, I'm not just saying don't drop the mic. I'm also telling you what I learned about the mic and how to diversify your speaking from your, the way you talk in your community to the way you run a boardroom to the way you stand in front of an audience and understanding that audience and being able to be more articulate in that setting. And the reason I'm passionate about it is because I think it's the young people's turn. It's your turn. It's your time. It's your season. And uh, just to be a coach over in the corner telling you, don't watch out for this, prepare for that. This is bigger than you thought it is. You you can't talk to this group like you talk to that group. The message is the same, but the method is different. Those kinds of coaching things are all in don't drop the bike. Now, Bishop, let's talk about that, right? Because the, the book does give people tools and skills to help you know, communicate better, and you give career advice for those who want to grow into a speaking career. You even talk about it in the first chapter, the gift of speech. But how much of this can you really learn? Like, you can't teach what you do, Bishop. That's an that's an anointing you got. It was driving me crazy trying to articulate what I do. Nobody's ever put that kind of demand on me before to explain mm-hmm. it. I can do it, but it's hard to explain it. I think you have to have the God-given instinct inside of you and the book will help you to go further but let's be honest if you don't do it for anything but to help you in your personal relationships communication is hard Mm -hmm. with your kid with your wife with your parents being understood talking to each other and not at each other and so i think to some degree it will broaden your life no matter who you are but particularly to people like you and others who hold a mic there's a difference in the way that you talk in this setting and the way you talk when you're negotiating your contract. And so being able to be bilingual enough to walk into different rooms creates broader opportunities for all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, why do you think as a community we do that? You know, I always talk about it. There's so much that I feel like we don't learn and then our kids have to relearn it. Like we when we don't try to teach our own, like, and not just you know, mentally or it's whether it's real estate or it's either taxes, accounting, attorneys, like we don't teach each other. Why do you think that is? I think it's the fear and the focus on getting up that people are so focused on getting up that they don't reach back. But you reach a point in life that for me, it's all about legacy. It's all about who's next. Mm-hmm. It's all about helping you get where you're trying to go. I'm good. I'm satisfied. I'm happy. I just want to help my children and, and, and my generation's children achieve their dream and to leverage whatever influence I have to help facilitate that gives me fulfillment. Is that the reason why now on Sundays, you know, when I when I when I tune in the Potter House, sometimes it may not be you speaking, it might be Sarah or I can't remember the, I can't I can't remember the, the, the other woman named the uh, white Tudman, uh, yeah. Pastor Tudman. There you go. Is that the reason? Yeah. Yeah, I'm passing I'm passing the mic. You can't pass the mic and not give the younger people a shot. And uh I don't want to just rust out up on the stage. I want to give somebody else a shot. 
Mm-hmm. Do you think the younger generation doesn't communicate as much as, say, we used to, just because there's so many different distractions and also the way they take in information might be smaller sound bites than what we're used to? That's what I talk about in the book. The Gettysburg Address would have never been a tweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you, you, you can't do Henry Wadsworth Longfellow uh, in emojis. Uh, that great speaking, which I start out talking about Dr. King, that actually changed the world, Nelson Mandela, people like that, that changed the world were articulate. There's been more changes in the world because of speaking, because of a microphone than there has a pistol. And in the midst of your anger, understand that we have not won these battles by shooting them down. We spoke them down. And I just don't think we understand the power of the mic because we're raised with emojis and and TikTok and all of this other stuff. And and we don't understand the virtue of eloquence and the significance of articulation has changed the world. And it still will. All right, we have more with Bishop T.D. Jakes when we come back. Don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Bishop T.D. Jakes. Charlamagne? In the book, you talk about how social media is diluting the power of words. So how can people use social media to help instead of harm? I, first of all, I got everything social media I can get. Yeah, I don't have TikTok, but I'm about to get it. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I'm on it. I think you just have to control and not take the way you talk in a social media environment to work with you, to, to, to your marriage, mm-hmm. to your children, to make yourself right and think and read and not just think that because you Googled something, it's true. <laughs> you know, it's okay to read a book. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't lead if you don't read. But everything you see on the Internet absolutely is not true. But we have a generation who takes the Internet for gospel, right. that it is absolutely right. And and so just opening up communication to tell them how to check, how to verify, how to really get the real deal, especially in a pandemic. We want to separate fact from fiction. There are proper ways to use it that will enhance you and not deteriorate your intelligence. You should have dropped this book 15 years ago, though, because it's a lot of those old tweets and old words on social media that is definitely coming back to change people's worlds worlds nowadays <laughs> and not for the better. Yeah, it's a scary thing. It's a really scary thing. The other thing that's important is we don't just communicate with words. We use body language. We use voice inflection. Our eyes communicate. Uh, there's so many things that we lose when you start having a discussion about something important with somebody in a text. You open up a huge door for a big fight because they don't really put it in the context. They don't hear it the way you said it. They right. hear it the way they hear it. And so pick up the phone, for God's sake, and at least have the important conversations in a verbal way. It cuts down on confusion. It can save a deal, save a marriage, save a life. Let's go deep on that, Bishop, because in Chapter 8, you it is learn the grammar of body language. But that can be tricky, too, because some folks deal with social anxiety, so they might be shaking, voice trembling, and they may absolutely know what they're talking about, but they just got those social that social awkwardness. So how important really is learning the grammar of body language? Well, it, it goes along with another chapter where I talk about uh, listening as a part of talking. 
and that until you learn to listen well, you'll never speak well. That's true naturally, but mm -hmm. that's also true as it relates metaphorically. I think you have to know who you're talking to. Mm -hmm. And so if that person is, has an inclination to do that, through observation, you begin to observe that. And we calibrate. We talk, In the book, I talk about adaptability. You, you got to stop hiring people that are inflexible because we are in an adaptable environment and you have to be able to pivot quickly. And in the process of being adaptable, once I understand that you have a quirk like that or a physical abnormality like that, then I allow for that in the conversation quite quickly. We're quite adaptable. Our species was designed to adapt to its environment and, and you can make adjustments as you go. And one thing you talk about also along those lines is practice does make perfect, too. And so sometimes you're nervous. Yeah. You might have a fear of getting up and speaking in front of people because it isn't an easy thing to do when you're not used to it. But the more you do it, the better you'll get at it. Exactly. The first time I got up to speak, I couldn't hold the mic because my hands were shaking. I mean, my hands were shaking so bad that you could see it. And then I got even more nervous. Just because you're not good at something the first time doesn't mean you can't do it. And it's not just about speaking. This is bigger than speaking. When I talk about pass the mic, I'm talking about any opportunity platform that you're given, you might not naturally hit it the first time. Don't give up. Practice makes perfect means you don't get to be Tiger Woods playing basketball. <laughs> we have people who are shotgunning. You're shooting at so many things that you're not good at anything. Bring your focus down to the thing that you really care about the most and then put the practice in that it takes to make perfect because you don't get there overnight. Don't give up. We give up too quick. We give up on marriage. We give up on people. We give up on ourselves. We give up on entrepreneurship because it didn't work the first time. Nothing worked the first time for me. I spent 10 years preaching to less than 100 people. Nothing starts out the way it ends up. And when you see somebody at the end of the movie, you draw conclusions that aren't accurate because you didn't see the first 20 years. You came in on the last five years. You, but, but, the, but the first 10 years helped me to be able to withstand the pressure of the last 10 years. That, that sort of thing. That's a good segue in uh, chapter six. Where, where, where does it hurt? And you talk about letting yeah. you talk about letting the need find you. What, what does that mean? It means the, it, it means a whole lot of things. You're the you're the most powerful. Where you're the most passionate. Passion hurts. It hurts to care. It hurts to be involved. And you are the most powerful when you are the most passionate because of the pain of the situation. The most successful businesses are not built by people who say, "I'm going to start a business because I want some money." Everybody wants some money. You need some money. You got to have some money to survive. People who build the business around a problem, then their business becomes a solution. Don't have you never have to market a solution. The mm. problem will find you. Mm. So the most successful entrepreneurs are are entrepreneurs who built businesses that solve problems. So when you find your problem, you find your business. But just building a business because you, you want some money and you want to control your own hours is always going to fail because you're going to work three times as hard to build the business. And you're going to find out if you want time off, go work for somebody. How does your messaging, right, about being able to speak and the words that you put out there, how does that translate into the film business for you and the projects that you decide to do? 
always everything. Uh, film is an opportunity to tell, to deliver a message in another way. If you think about uh, Jesus, we have very few of his sermons, but we've got all kinds of his parables. He was a storyteller. And so the reason that I'm in film, and, and you segue so beautifully, but I'm getting ready. I got a lifetime film coming out, Seven Deadly Sins. The first deposit is uh, Lust, comes out this Saturday. The reason that I speak through film is because it's like my way of telling parables. Cautionary tales, entertaining, provocative, not preachy, but they still got a message in it that I think is going to be powerful. I've got some of my uh, people like Tank is in it. Harry uh, Hilson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tobias Trevelyan, Latoya Lockett. It's a gang of people. We shot it in Atlanta. We're, we're, we created jobs for hundreds of people uh, to do this. There's a lot of great reasons to do this. I have had a relationship with Lifetime before, and we did a project with them, Faith Under Fire, and it was one of their top producing films. And so we're back doing uh, Seven Deadly Sins. We've got two of them already done. I hope mm -hmm. to do the next five. If I can get y'all to watch it, TiVo it, turn it on. Uh, you know, I don't care if you turn it on while you're brushing your teeth. Actually, if you watch this, it will captivate you. Because it is a message about dealing with lust. And that's something everybody deals with at one point or another. Everybody. Even Absolutely. you, Bishop? <laughs> I think I remember a day. <laughs> <laughs> once, once upon a time, so far away. Yeah, I remember it. <laughs> Now don't move, we got more with Bishop T.D. Jakes when we come back, it's The Breakfast Club, good morning. Morning everybody, it's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy, we are The Breakfast Club, we're still kicking it with Bishop T.D. Jake. You speak to a lot of young people, and during the pandemic, you know, I know my kids, but during the pandemic, I really know my kids, I know what they eat, I know everything about them, because we're all up on top of each other. And I'm right. watching TV with them, and while watching TV with them, I realize that the, the shows that they're watching, the cartoons are a lot different, meaning, I'm watching the cartoons and I see that one of the cartoon things say, say that they are depressed. And I'm watching the cartoon saying that they have anxiety and they need money. Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking about at that age, I never had those conversations. I never thought about money or being depressed or anxiety. Do you think what these kids are watching now is, is making them open to this stuff too early? I think that what they're watching is a reflection of how they're feeling. I think the reason that we're seeing an uptick of suicides amongst black children is because they are traumatized. You cannot have these images of, of the murder of George Floyd and people, those images for children are terrifying. Uh, what, they, what they're dealing with in the school, trying to figure out what a pandemic is, trying to feel, figure out why grandma died and we couldn't go to the funeral. Mm. They are traumatized. And I don't think that the cartoons are creating it. I think they are reflecting it and trying to make the parents aware because sometimes, and I know this from raising five kids, I was so involved in trying to feed them, keep a roof over their head, make sure they had school books and everything they needed, that sometimes I didn't realize that my kids were going through trauma too. Mm -hmm. right. and, and so I want to encourage uh, all the parents that are listening at me right now, I know you're busy, but we can't leave our kids alone because they're going through another kind of trauma. 
that will come back to haunt you in later years over and over and over again. Trauma does not go away. Trouble don't last always, but trauma hangs around. Oh, I tell people all the time, if you don't deal with your trauma, your trauma going to end up dealing with you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think I think we really need, again, a language. I, in the book, I talk about being bilingual and being able to relate to children is very, very important. They have a different language, a different way of communicating, but it's important. I looked up in my church. I'll soon be 64 years old. I looked up in my church, and my church is 50% millennials. Mm. I thought, how did that happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it's not so important that I be one. It's important that I connect with you, that I resonate with you, that I care about you, and then that I communicate with you. You know, Bishop, we had Sarah on the other day, uh, your, your lovely daughter. Yeah. I mean, the, the yeah. audio was messed up, but she, she said how supportive you were when she became pregnant at 14. How, how did you feel when you initially heard that news? What was your inner language to yourself before you spoke to her? It was a scene I will never forget. It was as if all the air went out of the room. Sarah walked in the door and told us that which she had hidden from us for a long time. Uh, I was shocked she'd never been on a date. Uh, I was disappointed, I was hurt, Uh, but I was committed. Cause to me, family is loyalty Mm -hmm. and ride or die. Mm -hmm. That's right. Up or down, sink or swim. I'm always going to have your back. But I will not lie and act like <laughs> that was easy to hear. It was difficult to hear. Mm-hmm. But later, fast forward, I would have done anything to get her out of that situation within reason. I wanted to save my child from the grief and the agony and the controversy. And then where, you know, when you're a public figure, you're living in an aquarium and everybody feels free to discuss your life. Mm-hmm. Fast forward, I realized that the very thing that went wrong became the spring from which all of her ministry came out of it. All of who she is today came out of it. And sometimes the best thing to do with kids is let them go through what they've got to go through to become who they've got to become. I know that now, but in the moment, it scared me to death. Did you care about the words of the church? Your congregation? No. No, that didn't bother me. That wasn't the part that bothered me. Everybody thought that would be the part that bothered me. I don't care what people think. I cared about my child. That's right. right. And by the way, for my church, my church wrapped around us like a blanket. Mm-hmm. They were very, very loyal. Of course, there were haters. And there were people who said horrific things. But they were irrelevant to me. When you weigh your child against the commu- the public, if you don't pick your child, right. you're not a father. That's right. Now, what, now, what are you, what are your thoughts on the vaccine? Are, are you telling what are you telling your, your congregation? What are you, are you taking it? I, I took uh, I took the Moderna. Okay. I took both both shots. I went in the room with my sleeve up and my pants down. What? What the hell, Bishop? (laughs) I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Was that Uh, that, that when you had the lust? The lust? You dealt with lust? (laughs) No. This was not a lust. This was a life thing. At 64 years old, hypertensive, slightly overweight, doing funerals uh, every every time I turn around for people who died of COVID, Mm -hmm. and comforting families who have contracted COVID, 
I needed to have uh, the vaccine. Mm -hmm. I don't really tell my congregation what to do. I'm not a medical professional, mm -hmm. uh, but I lead by example. I did it. I did it on TV. I did it on Dr. Oz. Mm -hmm. I did it in front of people. I didn't hide that I did it. I, I, I would like to see us do it. Mm -hmm. I understand why we're afraid of doing it. But it seems illogical to, to me to think that somebody is trying to kill black people when everybody that's getting the vaccine is white people. Mm -hmm. If you look at the stats, the preponderance of the majority of people who are getting the vaccine are white people. We need to understand the myths from the facts and then make a decision. And don't listen to me. Listen to your doctor. Listen to your health mm -hmm. professionals. Pay attention to them because we already got enough maladies that when we contract the virus, we don't always recover, especially older people. Now in my area, the average age of death is around 35. Wow. Mm. But as I interact with people and move around, as I often have to do, having every layer of protection, I still mask, I still social distance, helps me to feel just a wee bit safer. This is my last question, Bishop. Uh, how important is grace? I don't feel like we give each other enough grace in this era, how important is grace? I cannot stress how critical it is. I don't have to condone what you did to to love you and to care about you. And I think we all need it. We all have to have it. We have to be able to give it. And I think especially through the trauma of the times we're living in right now, people are acting out in in, in terrible ways but they're traumatized too. And we've been traumatized for a long time. And I think grace is important. I, I will reach out to people that other people threw away. I, I will try to help them limp back home because we shoot our wounded. Mm. And, and we shoot our wounded. And I think the more pressure we're under, we turn on each other and devour each other rather than helping each other find the food. And I think we really have to extend some grace. We don't love each other. We shoot each other over a candy bar. What's up with this? Sometimes we are our own worst enemy because we don't extend grace. Dr. King said, I got a picture on the wall of him in a march and he's holding up a sign. And he said, men are not our enemies. If we kill them, with whom shall we live? Hey. Man, thank you, Bishop. That's you know, right. my, 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 my spiritual, emotional, and mental health, thank you. I don't even know if you know how important you are to me. And, and watching you on Sunday morning is a ritual, and I, I can't wait until I can get out to the Potter House to see you in person, my brother. I can't wait to have you back out. Any of you are welcome. Any of you are welcome. I show you should come down. I'll mess up your diet, but we'll have some fun. <laughs> I will feed you this Southern hospitality, clog your arteries right up. Oh, and, no. Uh, oh, so, no, I'm coming. So, hey, well, don't drop the mic. Pick up the book. Get it right now, and we appreciate you for joining us. And make sure y'all watch Lifetime and watch Lust this weekend also. Thank you all. All right, it's The Breakfast Club. It's Bishop T.D. Jakes. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. Shout out to Bishop T.D. Jakes for That's joining right. us now. That's right. Let's get to the rumors. Let's talk uh, Dramos' queen, Jennifer Lopez. She's spilling the tea. This is the Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. 
Now, I don't know if I can co-sign that because he hasn't seen Hustlers yet. And if that really was his queen, he would have definitely watched that movie. You're right. I haven't seen much TV. I'm sorry. It's not on TV. It's a movie, sir. Whatever. Uh, Jennifer Lopez (laughs) is on the cover of InStyle magazine. And she talked about the first person who ever called her J-Lo. Do you know who that was? Diddy. Where she got the name from? Heavy D, actually. She said it used to come by the studio for my first album and would call me Jenny Lowe, Jennifer Lowe, or J-Lo. She said after she released Mm -hmm. on the 6th in 1999 and started Mm -hmm. doing her second album, she decided to call it J-Lo. And she said, I believe that's when it really stuck. As I've always tried to tell Dramos in this room, black people gave J-Lo her cool. There would be no J-Lo without black people. You want to talk about the Wayans within Living Color? Mm-hmm. You want to talk about Heavy D giving her a name? Puff. You want to talk about Puff? You want to talk about Ja Rule and Murder, Inc., Irv Gotti, them? Hi, Dramos! I guess you never seen a movie called Selena? The Locks, <laughs> fabulous. Thank Shut you. up. See, Selena was cool. But do you really think Selena did more for J-Lo than J-Lo? J-Lo? Um, Selena was really huge for her, honestly. Selena was great, but the music took J-Lo to another level. It didn't cross over until until she did all the other stuff. The music, her being black and cool, her being with Uh, black people uh, and being cool made J-Lo J-Lo. Yes, y'all are really buggy. I definitely cannot discount the power of Selena, though. But here in New York, definitely can't discount. discounting, but what crossed her over and put into this urban world? Not even close. Was everything else he just named? And I'm not even arguing with y'all. And the black ass. Even though Spanish women have nice First of all, too. calm down. Show some respect. But Selena is bigger than any music she's ever put out. In your community. No. Anybody, shut up, man. It's let the truth. Look, let me look at Charlotte, man, you see Selena? Selena's Never seen it Selena's ever in legendary. Life. Eddie, you seen Selena? A bitty no. bitty bamba. Bruh. You seen Selena? Here. You know that? Bruh, I didn't see Selena. Bruh, bruh, bruh. <laughs> Selena did 30, That's a great movie. Selena did $35 million in domestic box office sales. You know you can't judge that. Scarface was a failure at the box office, but it's one of the biggest movies Never in saw it. Don't you ever say right, Scarface guys, in my presence. I am a Nino Brown person. <laughs> Nino Brown will beat Scarface's ass. Any day. G-Money will beat Scarface's That's ass. That's why Jay-Z recreated Scarface. Dead Man right. will beat Scarface's exactly. ass. Exactly. Who? Jay-Z? You might have heard of him? No, never yeah, heard of him. Right. No, wow. Also, when did Those Selena movies. come out? 90s. Right? That movie was, yeah. So, $35 million, you know. All when you I would, know it, is, I know J-Lo. Probably about $70 million. I know J-Lo because of music. Me too. I'm sorry. All right, now let's talk about Dave Chappelle. He was on so Naomi hurt. Campbell's No <laughs> Filter YouTube series, and he talked about certain things that we never heard had happened the way they did. Now, when former President Donald Trump first moved into the White House, his staffers said they found nasty notes stuffed into the drawers and cabinets. And people were trying to blame President Barack Obama for that. But his aides fiercely denied that. Dave Chappelle actually revealed who left those notes. One of the last big parties the Obamas threw. Uh, and I'm not going to say these celebrities' names. There was a thing. Remember when the Trump administration moved in? They said... Uh, the Obama staff left dirty notes for us in all the drawers and all the cabinets. Now, now I saw this happening. I'm not going to say who did it, but it was celebrities <laughs> writing all this crazy <laughs> and putting them all over there. And I saw them doing it. So when I saw them on the news, mm-hmm. I laughed real hard. Who, who y'all think did it? Let's, let's, who, who y'all think? If you had to pick one artist. I don't know who was at that party. <laughs> I got to read the letters. I would have to know the it context probably, of the It letters. probably was Dave. <laughs> probably was Dave. I'm not going to say who did it. Probably it probably was Dave. <laughs> Now, as much as um, I have to say, listening to this story made me miss President Barack Obama in the White House. Here is Dave and Naomi just reminiscing about Obama's dance skills. Well, that was really a fun night. And then 
the President Obama went to sleep and then he came, or I don't know if he went to sleep, he went up upstairs and he came back because the music was so good. When Obama walked back in, the crowd parts, like like the Red Sea, like everyone, like, oh, you know, it's, it's everyone, like, I mean, many, many of these people are black, which is a resting sight. It's almost surreal, like you can't believe you're in that place yeah. experiencing this culture. And the President walks in and everyone's kind of looking at him and he goes like this, dabs like this. <laughs> <laughs> and the crowd went crazy. I'll never forget that. No, he can move. He can dance. Ah, oh, nice reminiscing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, now Young Buck is talking about, and he claims he was on the Big Facts podcast with DJ Scream and, and Big Bank. And listen, he claims that he ghost wrote for Fifty Cent and has not gotten paid for it. Listen to this. I wrote Fifty Music, bro. I done wrote four songs where you is listening to 50 rap my words, word for word. The might change one here or, or line here, but when you listen to the Too Rich song, that, that that's just off of my head. That That's just one I ink from top to bottom. The so do, are you getting like nah, any of your I, splits no, or any of your credit for that? No, no credit, no, no, no nothing for it. I'm the one to be blamed because I put myself in the position of Damn. not, I guess, handling my business solid enough I have no reason to not uh, believe Young Buck, but I just feel this is very Captain America yeah, right now. I, I don't <laughs> okay. think so. Okay. I, nah. I feel like he had on his Colin Kaepernick jersey when he said that. Okay. Yeah, you I just, are a liar, and oh you've always been a liar. Sorry, Buck. I need proof. Yeah. Um, you can't just make statements like that. I don't. I don't believe it. I'm sorry. I just don't believe sorry. it. Well, shout out to Big Bang, DJ Scream, and Baby J for that on the Big Facts. Big Facts Podcast. Make sure you check out the Big Facts Podcast on the Black Effect iHeartRadio Podcast Network, available everywhere you listen to podcasts and on Revolt TV. All right. Well, that is your rumor report. All right. (laughs) Sorry, I just got some great news. Anyway, um, we going donkey. We giving that donkey, too. He he can get in for his appointment today, Yee, because if you notice, the the grays are coming Mm -hmm. in on the back of the beard, just in the back. Yeah, I don't know what just happened. Just 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 in the back. I I noticed, like, right in the back, the grays are starting to pop out, so he must have got his appointment today to get it filled in. But um, anyway, four after the hour, we need Hubert Davis, the new head coach of the University of North Carolina, to come to the front of the congregation. We'd like to have a word with him. He was very odd for this. I have no idea what you're talking about with me, but yes, we'll get to the donkey of the day next. And stop looking at me like that. I'm not looking at you like you nothing. are. I'm not you. I'm not food. I'm not lunch. Stop looking and stop looking at your man, lips. Shut up, man. Are you a snack? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Donkey Day's up next, man. I eat y'all. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. Mountain Dew is partnering with HBCUs in an effort to uplift the next generation of badass black innovators and entrepreneurs with the Real Change Opportunity Fund Pitch Competition. Empowering students to go out and do. Visit MountainDew.com slash real change to enter. You get donkey at a date, yeah, you dumb ass. You get donkey at a date, yeah, you dumb ass. You are. You know what we're here for. It's time for donkey of the day. Donkey of the day, huh? I'm a fatten all that shit around your eyes. They want this man to throw them blows, man. They wait for Charlemagne to tap these gloves. Let's go. They had to make a judgment of who was going to be on the donkey of the day. They chose you. There's a breakfast club, bitches. Who's donkey of the day today? I'm so exhausted this morning. Donkey of the day for Thursday, April 8th goes to the new and first blackhead coach of the University of North Carolina, Hubert Davis. First of all, Congratulations, Hubert Davis, on getting the drop the job. Okay, drop on the clues bombs for Hubert Davis. 
All right, that is a very prestigious position for anyone to be in. But I know for a brother like Hubert Davis, who is a North Carolina native, uh, a brother like Hubert Davis, who actually played for the University of North Carolina, a brother like Hubert Davis, who's been an assistant coach at North Carolina since 2012. I know Tar Heel Blue means more to him than most. So salute to that king, okay? You deserve it. You earned it. And I truly wish you much success. Drop on the clues, bombs with Hubert Davis once again. Now let's discuss why we are all gathered here today. Hubert Davis had his first news conference since being named as head coach in North Carolina, and it's a historic moment, right? We just had Bishop T.D. Jakes on speaking about his new book, Don't Drop the Mic, and how the power of your words can change the world. So in a historic moment like Hubert Davis' first news conference since being named head coach, I'm expecting Hubert Davis to bring it and inspire young black boys and girls around the world and and, and make us all proud to be black. In moments like this, we have to remember what the late, great Nipsey Hussle said, the highest human act to inspire. The highest human act is to inspire, okay? In moments like that, when you're the first black anything, but especially the first black head coach of the University of North Carolina, you got to show your black ass, okay? You have to stand up there in all your melanated glory and let the world know that it is a privilege to be black and simultaneously scold these institutions and organizations for taking so damn long. Now, for the most part, Hubert Davis did that. Okay, he spoke to the significance of being the first black head coach in UNC history. He spoke to being one of the few black Division I head coaches all around the country. But at some point in the conversation, it went left. Or maybe it went white. I mean, right. Oh, hell, just play the audio. It's significant that I'm African-American and I'm the head coach here. Um, I know that in terms of Division I head coaches all around the country, only 26% of the head coaches for Division I men's basketball are compromised by minorities, specifically African-Americans. I know that it is significant that I'm the fourth African-American head coach in any sport in the history of the University of North Carolina. I'm very proud to be African-American, but I'm also very proud that my wife is white. And I'm very proud that my three beautiful, unbelievable kids are a combination of both of us. Did they ask him that? No, they did not. That I was, miss, I that I was unprompted. Did I miss something? Hubert, what the hell was that? What the hell was that, <laughs> Hubert? Say it backwards, Leonard. Hubert, that was hell the what? I'm happy that you are proud of your white wife, but what in the what does her skin color have to do with anything we are talking about right now? Does she have a name? <laughs> What's her name, Hubert? I'm sure that she would have preferred and appreciated a shout out by her full name over being labeled the white wife that you're proud of. Now, when she now when she walks into Dean E. Smith Center next season for basketball, that's how people are going to see her. There goes Hubert Davis with his white wife. Let me tell you something, Hubert Davis. You let Dr. Umar Johnson down. I appreciate you and I love you, but you are no use to me with that white woman on your arm. No, Umar, stop. Whoa. Umar, stop Whoa. now, Umar. We're not doing that. Let's talk to this brother with love. Personally, I don't have a problem with interracial marriage or interracial relationships. Love is love, right? It should be. But when you hear brothers like Hubert Davis say things like, you know, I'm proud to have a white wife. Play the clip. Does that one little clip? But I'm also very proud that my wife is white. When you hear brothers like Hubert Davis say things like this, it's like, do you love her? Are you just proud to have a white wife? I mean, when you love someone, the benefits of loving someone is just that. It's love. You love a person. Emotionally, sexually, you love their personality. You just love them. But Hubert, you make me feel like you with your wife for status. 
It's hard to act like there isn't an element of status in your interracial marriage when you went out of your way to randomly tell the world in a press conference about you being the first black head coach of UNC, speaking to the significance of that, and you just randomly, out of the goddamn Tar Heel blue, decided to tell us you proud to have a white wife. Not I love my wife and whatever her name is. I don't even know her name. Okay, not I love my wife and whatever her name is. You said I'm proud to have a white wife. I mean, I'm proud to have a black queen, but only because of brothers like you who I feel have an internalized racist view of white people as superior, not just as people, but clearly as partners. Okay, Hubert, you know, you are powerful and you have status because you are Hubert Davis, not because you are married to a white woman. What kind of virtual signal signaling were you doing? Did you put a TS in the air like a bat signal and the TS stands for Taylor Swift? Were you trying to convince those white people in North Carolina that you're not one of them? That you're one of the good Negroes who love white people so much and you're proud to be married to one? Hubert, you got the job already. You don't have to conform and make white people feel comfortable anymore. Clearly, you and the work you put in are enough. We have to realize that, you know, you didn't get that job because you kissed white ass. You got that job because your black ass is qualified. Okay, play the Hubert clip again, just the proud of my wife part, please. But I'm also very proud that my wife is white. Why does that line make me feel like this? Why do I hear this song when I hear that line? The ooh, I, ooh, I love my wife. Yeah. I love my wife. Yeah. Let's go write a bye. Yeah. With my wife. Yeah. My wife's real young. My wife's real small. Let's go yeah. to the beach and play with a beach ball. Praise Jesus, mm. God, and my wife. Let's go to the beach and ride a bike. Ooh, I love yeah. my wife. I, I love, love my wife. wife. That's Ooh, how I, I felt. That's how I felt when I heard that line. Mm -hmm. We could put a little stink on it. Let's put a little stink on it. That's a, put a little remix on it. Let me hear. But I'm also very proud that my wife is white. Ooh, I love my wife. Uh, uh, uh. I love my wife. My wife is white. Ooh, I love my <laughs> wife. I love my wife. My wife is white. Literally. <laughs> wow. I have nothing else to say here, and neither does Dr. Umar. You are, and then you can talk to me. Negro with a white woman, you can't talk to me. <laughs> Dr. Umar, stop. Umar, stop. Goodness Jesus gracious, Christ. Bro. Please let Remy Ma <laughs> give Hubert Davis the biggest hee-haw. Hee-haw, hee-haw. You stupid motherfucker. You dumb. Who let Dr. Umar in here? I don't know. Jesus. That was aggressive. Christ. Can we hear that song one more time, though? Which one? <laughs> Which one you want now? You want the one with some mayonnaise on it? Give him the one with some mayonnaise on go. it, Dramos. But I'm also very proud that my wife is white. Ooh, I love my wife. I love my wife. My wife is white. Ooh, I love my wife. I love my wife. My wife is white. Literally. Literally. I gotta learn how to say that. Literally. Literally. Make sure Dr. Has he clarified anything yet? Or... Let's um, I haven't heard has anything. Has he said anything? I haven't heard. I haven't heard anything. All right. All right. If he was like, I just was nervous. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> Literally. All right. Well, up next. Cool alert. Well, Doctor Umar, get out of here. <laughs> what the hell? This guy is crazy. He just comes out of nowhere. What is up with this guy? All right. Jesus. Ask he is next. Eight hundred. Just making sure he's not coming back. No, he's gone. He's gone. He's gone. He's All right. 800-585-1051. If you need relationship advice or any type of advice, call ye now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. What you want to know? Baby mama issues? Need some words of wisdom? Call up now for Ask Ye. 800-585-1051. The Breakfast Club. Come on, 
need relationship advice? Need personal advice? Just need real advice. Call up now for Ask Yee. Keep the bread. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. It's time for Ask Yee. Hello, who's this? This is Dakota from Richmond. Hey, Dakota, what's your question for Yee? All right, so I just need a little advice on how I can discipline or help my fiance understand that her little brother, when he gets disciplined or is deserving of some discipline, that we have to follow through with it. Because, mm-hmm. all right, so a little backstory. Um, two years ago around Thanksgiving, my fiance and her little brother, uh, their father passed away. Mm-hmm. Then fast forward a year ago, this past Christmas, a week before Christmas, their mother passed away. Wow. So that caused uh, her little brother to then move in with us, so now we're taking care of him. Mm. And okay. I, I think a lot of what it is is he's dealing with some trauma from uh, yes, absolutely. at such a young age because he's only a sophomore in high school. And so, he, I mean, he's dealing with a whole bunch of stress from that and whatnot. But when it comes down to it, he, he just be acting out, acting bad. You know, he's getting S in some of his classes. He doesn't do his chores when he's supposed to. Um, mm-hmm. And then when we try to discipline him, uh, so, like, we have, we have a Xfinity Wi-Fi, and he, he likes to play his PlayStation all the time. So one of the things we do to discipline him is we'll pause the Internet for his PlayStation so then he can't use live. Or right. <laughs> uh, we'll say he can't go to the skate, uh, which is something he does every Friday night, goes out with his friends, goes to the, the skating rink in town and, and, you know, hangs out. We'll say he can't do that. Well, when it comes mm-hmm. down to final moment, he, he's been, you know, he's allowed to go to the skate, not really behind my back, but my fiance knows how I feel about it. If, you know, he's acting up, he's doing bad in school, that he's not supposed to be doing stuff like that. Like when I was in school, if I got F's in my classes, I was grounded until them grades got improved. I got my cell phone right. taken away. I wasn't allowed to do nothing. You know, it was just chore after chore until the house was spotless. You know you know what I mean? Just just what I think every kid should have to go through when they're getting disciplined or get, you know, bad grades in school, especially multiple F's. Mm-hmm. But when it comes down to it, you know, it, it, it's, it's like she says it in the moment, oh, you're grounded. You're getting this taken away. This is happening after this, you know, whatever. And then when it comes down to it, he's allowed to go to the skate. Oh, but you know, just like you said earlier, he's definitely gone through some trauma, and that's not something that can be brushed over. Is he talking to somebody? Do y'all have him talking to a therapist about that? Because the acting out could really be from that, and she could also be going softer on him because she knows he's gone through what he's gone through. Right. Yeah. We we have a strong support system through the rest of the family and whatnot. We're always, you know there for him and, mm-hmm. and trying to talk to him but he, he, he kind of shuts down a little bit he doesn't seem to want to open up about his feelings right because it feels like maybe he needs to talk to somebody away from you guys where that might right. mean that, he goes to a therapist be- who does who doesn't personally know him and can help with the tools to work through some things but that's a lot to go through and especially at, and high school is already a difficult time so i can see she has a soft spot but again there is something to disciplining a child, but it's hard for you because it's not your child. It's not even her child. It's her brother, you know? Right. And, and this is all, really like, unexpected. Much of a father figure. He, he's never really mm-hmm. had much of a father figure in his life. Uh, his dad was in and out of his life, mostly growing up. Lived right. I mean, it sounds like a lot life. that he's going through. And you got to understand, too, this was something that was unexpected for everyone involved. So it's an adjustment, not just for him, but for your fiancé, too. 
And I'm sure she feels like she's doing the best that she can. Right. You know, yeah, but definitely it, trying because, you know, before Christmas, this past Christmas, it was just me and her and our two girls, our two dogs, um, you know, in the house. And now we have a whole 17 year old we're responsible for. Yeah, that's a lot. I just want to say uh, y'all might need and there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with needing professional help for all of you as far as even like parenting and just learning the right way to do things, too, on your behalf as well. And how do you deal with a teenager who's gone through this trauma, who is, it seems like in response, acting out? It might mean that all of you guys need to talk to somebody professionally so you can get those real tools. It's important. Right. Okay. Okay. So, yes, make sure you use those resources that are available to you guys and find out because obviously this is not something you anticipated and you want to do the best job that you can, but also find the best way to do it. Right. All right. It just kind of irritates me a little bit when. You know, he's doing stuff like he's telling if he's going somewhere and he's hanging out with some friends. And then my fiance actually has his location on the iPhone, check the location, and he's nowhere near where he said he was going to be. So then he got in trouble for that. And that was right before spring break. Well, spring yeah, break y'all got to pull up grounded, you know, <laughs> only. Sp- yeah, she did. She did pull up on him. It, it was crazy. But uh, mm-hmm. So he, he was supposed to lose all these privileges, you know, his PlayStation. He's not allowed to be going nowhere, doing nothing, not going to the skate. And literally two days after this incident, he was going to the skate. And then right. my fiance's asked me to unpause his uh, PlayStation from the Wi-Fi so he can get on live. I'm like, how are we yes. actually going to, you know, teach him? A and yeah, it just seems discipline? like it seems like you guys also have different ways of disciplining and everybody's not the same as far as how they are raising their kids. And so for you guys, obviously, like I said, there's a whole teenager. It's not like you guys have had experience doing this before. She's handling it one way. You would handle it another way. That's why I'm saying y'all really need to get some expert help to find out the best way and the best solutions instead of bumping heads over it. Right. Okay. All right. Good luck. That makes sense. All right. Thank you. All right. Ask Yee. 800-585-1051. If you need relationship advice, hit Yee now. It's The Breakfast Club. Here's some real advice with Angela Yee. It's Ask Yee. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're in the middle of Ask Yee. Hello, who's this? Are you talking to me? Yes, sir. Are we talking to you? Yes, sir. DJ Envy. I love you, man. You endure The Breakfast Club. You endure what they do to you. Oh, he definitely we does. We admire him. He takes it on the chin. Yeah. Watch and, your and, mouth, and that's, we're, talking about, we're talking about Beijing. Shut up. <laughs> and and Charlemagne, yo, you killed it on the day on the on the Mar on the Brian Marshall. You oh, th- oh, Bill Mar, thank you, sir. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, who? Yeah, okay. Bill Mar, you killed it. Now, Angie, I need your help. For What's the question? I got a white wife, and <laughs> I don't. I'm not proud of her. What? What are you I, talking I about? <laughs> I got a white wife, and I'm not proud of her. I am not what proud is your, of her. What is your question? <laughs> My question is, how do I deal with her? She, we argue all the time during this pandemic, right? And mm. she she almost said the N-word. She said, you, you act like one of them. And that's like the N-word to me. Whoa. Wow. Yes. Act like um, one of them. I can't. How long you been married? Yeah, let me ask you this. What, what are y'all arguing about during this pandemic? Oh, my God. We're arguing about everything. We're arguing about who, who didn't put the top on the toothpaste. Uh, why, why, why we got to watch uh, March Madness. First, you know? I have an issue with her almost calling you the N-word, though. 
Yes, that is a big one. I, I didn't tell my mom because my mom going to go off. Mm-hmm. That is ridiculous. She if she doesn't understand if anything during this pandemic, seeing all the issues that's been going on, and she's if she's not somebody that understands that, especially because she has a black man, right? That's not a good sign. Has she, what did she say afterward? She she just left. She was acting like one of them, and she and she left out the door. Left mayonnaise on the doorknob. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if your situation is real or not. It's real. We just had the argument right. this morning. Mm-hmm. So, so, what do you want to do? Did. How do you do? You feel like you feel like your relationship is fixable? Well, you know, seriously, uh, the only thing we got left is sex. Mm-hmm. So that's what's holding you guys together. Is, yeah, that's like, that's like the glue that that makes the the, the arguments erase. All right, yeah, that's not going to last much longer if y'all are not getting to the root of the issues that you have. And if she can't deal with the fact that she said something that was offensive, you'll probably never forget that. You're right. You're right. It's a hard, I must have a hard time going to sleep tonight, probably. All right, yeah, y'all definitely need some professional help. She got to deal with her own demons and things that are going on. And look, during the pandemic, a lot of couples have gotten into it. They spent a lot more time at home together. They had a lot of additional mm-hmm. stress. So that does cause a lot of arguments. And that's something mm-hmm. that a lot, you know, some people have had to work through and some people are like, I realize this isn't the person for me, but I do feel like, do y'all have kids? Nah, no kids. Is that somebody you could see yourself having kids with one day? Well, uh, you know, it is the only thing. Listen up. It's just in. All the gossip. Gossip. The Rumor Report. Gossip. With Angela. Angela Yee. It's the Rumor Report. The Breakfast Club. Cheryl Underwood is saying that Sharon Osbourne has yet to apologize since all the controversy at the talk. She said she has not heard from her. She also talked to Steve Harvey about it. Here's what she said. If Sharon Osbourne is cool where she is, there's nothing I could do or say. Even if I try to be an example. Three times I'm asking you to forgive me and accept my apology for you feeling like this happened. I tried, but three times never was it said. That's disappointing. People will say, well, would you want a public apology? And for my feeling is we've gone beyond certain things because just because you ask for forgiveness and don't get it, don't make you superior. And now you can go to anger and disappointment. I'm a little confused. Now, who tried to apologize three times? Sharon to Cheryl or Cheryl to Sharon? I think Cheryl Cheryl, uh, tried to. What'd you say? Cheryl for what? Who apologized? I thought Sharon apologized to Cheryl. I think the two of them used to be friends with each other. Cheryl felt like, okay, if you felt like I attacked you or blindsided you in any way. But she also says that Sharon Osbourne never reached out to apologize to her and that she has not spoken with her at all since. So Cheryl reached out to Sharon to apologize three times. No, Sharon. So here's what Sharon Osbourne is saying. Now, Sharon Osbourne is saying that she did reach out to Cheryl Underwood and she actually posted some messages that she claims that she sent to her. And they said, Cheryl, my heart is heavy. And this is from Friday, March 12th. And I'm deeply saddened by the events that transpired on Wednesday. I don't want to lose my true friend over this. And she posted several messages that she said she did send to Sharon Osbourne in an attempt to apologize. Yeah, it's too confusing. Uh, I do agree, though. Just because you want to be forgiven doesn't mean I have to forgive you. I forgive you in my time. You know what I mean? You can apologize to me, but that don't mean I have to accept it now. I might accept it later. So and, and don't get mad when I don't in that moment. 
Right. Yeah. And Cheryl looked at her phone. She said no. And Cheryl, by the way, is also doing a three part series on her podcast called Sharon Walks Away. And so she's, you know, feels like Sharon Osbourne was truly her friend. And said she also has not received that apology. She's going to have the saucy Santana playing. Let me see you walk, 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 walk. That'd be hard. All right, now Chloe Kardashian is speaking out, and that's after an unauthorized photo of her surfaced over the weekend. And you know, her people were going overtime to make sure it got scrubbed from the internet. We talked about this yesterday. It wasn't a bad picture, but I guess she just didn't like it. And she did a very lengthy post on Instagram, and she's and she posted another picture of herself. She said, "Hey guys, this is me and my body, unretouched and unfiltered." The photo that was posted this week is beautiful, but as someone who has struggled with body image her whole life, when someone takes a photo of you that isn't flattering and bad lighting or doesn't capture your body the way it is after working so hard to get it to this point and then shares it to the world, you should have every right to ask for it to not be shared, regardless of who you are. In truth, the pressure, constant ridicule, and judgment my entire life to be perfect and to meet other standards of how I should look has been too much to bear. Chloe is the fat sister. Chloe is the ugly sister. Her dad must not be her real dad because she looks so different. The only way she could have lost that weight must have been from surgery. And then she goes on uh, to discuss how people don't care because she grew up in a life of privilege and people act like she's not human because she's on reality TV. But she says every flaw, every imperfection has been microanalyzed and made fun of to the smallest detail. And I'm reminded of them every day by the world. Does social media make it hard to deal with the real you? Like, I wonder if you put so many filters and all of that other stuff on pics that when a regular pic is posted, does it drive you crazy because you're used to it being altered? I want having control. Yeah. But you know, the, and she says that nobody should have pictures like that. But y'all know we all got them friends that you take a picture with a group of people. You're the only one that looks bad in it, but they'll still post it if they look good. There's a lot of unflattering pictures of people floating around. So I don't know if that everybody has the power to get things scrubbed off the internet. Yeah, I understand about the unflattering pictures. I'm just wondering, does it make the social media make it hard just to deal with the reality of who you are and what mm-hmm. you look like because you can be a just a real picture of you with no filter no nothing but it'll drive you crazy because it's not all filtered out right and a mm-hmm. lot of times you see people in person and you're like oh damn they look way different than in their pictures and that happens all the time because people do too much to their pictures so. Yeah, that's why I just keep it natural, all right. man. Me, Mars Chestnut, like you don't. Oh, no, there's no here, need for man. us to Yo, touch up anything. Here, it's just man. you gonna get Yo. this organic blackness. Get out of here! Thank you, drums. They say you have an app to add eyeliner. No, <laughs> that's natural. I mean, I, listen, that's natural. I, I hear <laughs> he talked about him I, curving I his eyebrows hate. before. He wanted to be Dominican. <laughs> he arched them. It, 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 it ain't my fault. God paid a little attention to detail and gave me natural eyeliner. Bro, you didn't you didn't arch your eyebrows. I mean, when I was a kid. But that's, that's only because some girls gassed me up, not some girls gassed me up. They told me that I would look like Tupac if I did that. <laughs> Shut up, man. And they did, they did, they did. You they look did. crazy. Salute to Sharina. And All right. I will never forget y'all ever. We used to do telemarketing together. Y'all did them dirty. <laughs> Little Wayne is planning a Young Money and Friends event, and that's going to be in L.A. for August, and that's with his cannabis brand. So... He's come into an exclusive agreement with this uh, Memorial Coliseum for a uh, for all these uh, events for years to come, too, by the way. They're going to host a series of parties, performances, and other events for in-person and streaming audiences. So that's the first one is going to be in August. So it's going to be Little Wayne, Young Money, and unspecified guest performances. Okay. If y'all are interested. And I know you're interested in this. How about a reboot of House Party? Yeah, I see LeBron and them doing that, right? 
Yes, LeBron and Maverick for Spring Hill. They're gonna and uh, Reginald Hudlin and Warrington Hudlin are gonna be executive producing, by the way, as well. So I know y'all big fans at House Party. What do you think about a reboot? I think that'd be dope. I don't want to see none of those movies rebooted if they're not going to keep the problematic, toxic stuff in there. Because whether y'all oh, want to yeah, admit yeah, it or yeah, not, yeah, the problematic, yeah, toxic yeah. stuff is what made it funny. Yeah. Like, what is House Party without that jail scene? Now, Young in girl. hindsight, that was super homophobic. It was. But at the time, it was hilarious. It was. I seen okay? it the other day. It was on, on the other day, and I was watching it. Hilarious. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, you know, I don't want to see the woke versions of any of these movies. I know the Lucas Brothers are doing Revenge of the Nerds over LeBron and doing House Party. Leave them alone. Let's create some new stuff. Let's create some new what stuff. What about since- a Medea prequel? What about a Medea prequel series? A Medea prequel? What you mean a Medea prequel? Yes, that's in development at Showtime from Tyler Perry. I feel like it's that a just drama came prequel out series recently, right? about the early ago. life of his iconic character Medea. So oh, they've ordered man. multiple scripts for the project. It's called Mabel. Now that's, and, that might be kind of dope because Mabel probably young and fine. Mabel probably like tall, twenty and something yeah, when she moved yeah, to Atlanta yeah, yeah. in seventy two. <laughs> Why you okay. Your <laughs> <laughs> All right. Man. Did you know that, that Medea? Did you know Medea's Tyler Perry, Charlemagne? Yes, I knew that. Okay, so we make sure. All right, and about, that but, is your. I'm talking about the character, Medea. So, young uh-huh. Tyler Perry. Or well, in character, yeah. All right. She gonna All be right. fine. She gonna be fine. All right. All right. Well, that is your rumor report. All right. You're not looking forward to seeing. <laughs> All right. I'm the only one? Yes. I'm going to stay out here on these islands by myself, then. I don't care. Right, you stay with your little arched eyebrows over there. My eyebrows are not arched. They're natural. Yeah, all right. All right. Yeah. Revolt. We'll see you tomorrow. I'd be smudging. Everybody else is getting the mix. Let's go. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. Angela here. And the General Insurance has been helping people save money for nearly 60 years. They offer the quality coverage you deserve at prices you can afford. Make the right call and go with the General. Call 800-GENERAL or visit thegeneral.com. Some restrictions apply. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Now, shout to Donnell Rawlings if you don't know who that is. He's a comedian. Uh, he's also Ashley Larry. Ashley Larry. Uh, he does comedy with Dave Chappelle all the time. And over the weekend, he got roasted. And uh, he yeah, got Yeah, he upset. was on the Kill Tony podcast. This, the comedian's name is Alomine. Now, let me break this down because my man Andrew Schultz put me on to what this is. Mm-hmm. This show is designed to where people, open micers, are able to come up and have some banter with... Mm-hmm. Veteran comedians. Donnell Rollins is absolutely... They're supposed to roast the comics, right? Yes. Donnell is absolutely a veteran comedian, one of the best to ever do it, as far as stand-up. So, when know, it comes Donnell, to roasting, he's not good, clearly. Right, so Donnell was getting roasted, and um, he walked out. Now, the thing that, you know, you could tell Donnell was upset, he was mad, he was sad, but this is the thing that I didn't understand. Donnell will roast anybody. He he, he stays on my ass, he stays on Charlemagne's ass on hey, Instagram. Come on, without, without a pause, he stays on our ass. He, do, he, he does. did say he has admittedly said that he's very sensitive. Yeah, but that's lame. Yeah, but that's lame. You know what I'm saying? If you can't dish, if, if, if you dish it, you got to be able to take it. And he he really can't take it. Like well, he look, really can't. Well, let's play it. Let's play it. Listen in. This is my mom and dad G's on the same stage. If you don't get the <laughs> out of here, where'd you get those Jordans before or after Chappelle gave you that chain? <laughs> <laughs> you look like Idris Elba the blowfish. <laughs> this. Shop for tank tops in Victoria's Secret. You have teeth. You probably want to fuck him, you little. You <laughs> I know what he wanted to do. Oh, yeah. If I fucking roast Donnell. No, I'm man. Gonna, it's too late. I'm about to leave right now because. No, you're not. Come no, on, no. Donnell. No, I'm going to leave. Yeeks. Yeah, so that was it. So let's send uh, 
down on Rawlings healing energy. What what emoji would you like to use this morning? Just send him some prayer hands, man. You know what I'm saying? Pray for Ashy. Yeah, That's so the hashtag. Hashtag pray for Ashy. Just send him some healing energy, man. Send him, yeah, send him some, some healing energy this morning. Let him know we love him. You know, uh, yeah, hashtag pray for Ashy. That's all. And we do want to just send our condolences to the friends and family of the at least five people who were killed after what authorities are saying is a case of a mass shooting that happened in York County, South Carolina. The victims included a doctor, his wife, and their two grandchildren, according to the York County Sheriff's Office in a tweet. They said the family was very prominent and very well known. Dr. Robert Leslie, his wife, Barbara Leslie, were both found in the home, died as a result of gunshot wounds, as well as their two grandchildren. Now, there was also James Lewis of Gastonia. He was working at the house, and he died from gunshot wounds as well, according to the sheriff. Man, right, prayers man. up for my South Carolina people, up, man. Yeah, absolutely. And they did find the suspect, by the way. They said they believe they have found the person responsible, and that's all they can say about it. Whether or not it's a neighbor, they said the person does live on the same road. All right, prayers up. All right, when we come back, we got the positive notice to Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We got a shout-out to Bishop T.D. Jakes for joining us this morning. Man, salute to the drip. You know what I'm saying? That's what I call T.D. Bishop the drip Jakes because he be so clean. But, man, he got a new book out, Don't Drop the Mic. The power of your words can change the world. I love Bishop T.D. Jakes, man. I get up every Sunday morning and watch Bishop T.D. Jakes. I love his daughter, Sarah. Like, they are very, 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 very crucial in my spiritual and mental and emotional well-being. All right. Well, salute to my man, Dr. Oz, too. I'm going to be on the Dr. Oz show today, but I'm on the Dr. Oz show with one of my long-time mentors, Professor. I call him Professor, but his, his name is Dr. Robert Evans. And uh, Dr. Robert Evans is somebody that's been mentoring me since, man, 19, 1998, 1999. You know, he's actually the reason that uh, I'm, I'm in radio. So we're going to be on Dr. Oz today, you know, talking about the distrust that the black community has uh, in regards to the COVID vaccine. So check out Dr. Oz uh, today. You got a positive note? I do. Uh, when it comes to life, the critical thing is whether you take things for granted or take them with gratitude. Breakfast club, bitches! Y'all finished or y'all done? 